Welcome to episode 64 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We're going to talk a little bit about what we've been up to, and then we're going to go through some rapid fire Q&A. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? Achievers. Achievers. (laughs) It's been so long. (laughs) Episode 64. Sorry for the delay in episodes. We've been uh, traveling. We've been kind of like all over the place. Yeah, it's been a little bit crazy, but... Fun, good stuff. Yeah, so um, let's see. I guess two weeks ago, we were out in California. We were at the uh, Results Fitness um, Business Mastermind that we're a part of, and we were able to um, teach and facilitate one of the days there. We got to mastermind a bit with some of the other businesses, um, and we got to mastermind collectively with all the businesses, along with Alan and Rachel Cosgrove, who lead the group, um, and Sarah, uh, our fitness director, met us out there, and she uh, she got a lot of uh, masterminding time as well, so that was a pretty cool experience, obviously. Yeah, yeah that was really um, which fun. We enjoy every um, every time we go out there. We go we go out there about a few times a year or so. Yeah, it's usually two to three. Um, and then right after that, we were able to piggyback that trip. So that's in California. It's in uh, Santa Clarita, which is about forty minutes north of LA. Um, we actually swung back down about two and a half hours below LA to go to San Diego for a little baby moon. Baby moon. It was uh, really fun. It was a really good time. Weather like. Weather was pretty much perfect throughout it. Yeah. Um, the, the first day we got there was a little bit cloudy at first, but it cleared up pretty quickly. Saw a surf competition. We went to the San Diego Zoo, which was super cool. Um, what else? We, we went, went to, to Coronado, Coronado Beach. Coronado. That was beautiful. 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 We went to La Jolla and saw... We went to La Jolla Cove and saw the seals, yep. which are like... Everybody kept being like, oh, you have to go see the seals. And I thought like, oh, we might see a few seals jump out of the water. Like in the water, yeah. But they're just like... You just walk around and there's seals everywhere. Just lounging, like I mean, there must have been like 45 seals just all hanging around. Like there weren't any like like regulations. I think like there was just kind of like an unspoken like, just don't be don't a jerk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but it smelled so bad. Yeah. They smelled so bad. I knew when I smelled them, I was like, oh, Lawrence and deep trouble right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still worth it. It was fun. It was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was the baby moon. Um, and then we, so that was from like Tuesday through Tuesday. And then uh, what do we do? Then we caught up on work and then we taught a kettlebell course. Oh, well, I guess the the main issue with... Uh, oh, it was our flight. <laughs> yeah, why we couldn't uh, record on Wednesday. I guess we technically could have, but on Tuesday night, I guess it was pouring raining in Boston and our flight, which was supposed to get in at midnight anyway, so it was going to be a late night anyway, it actually got pushed back two, two and a half hours or so. So we actually ended up getting back in at 2.30 in the morning. Sarah, who was puppy-sitting Diesel, um, said that he was feeling super sick. He was throwing up. He had diarrhea. And so we are like, oh, my God. So we actually went home, got an Uber home, and then we drove back to Sarah's house and picked up Diesel. And by the time everything was all said and done, like it was probably like... 4.30. We had to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. So we trained <laughs> at 6 a.m. So needless to say, like, even if we had recorded a podcast, it would have been pretty useless. It would have been incoherent. <laughs> we yeah. just, just been babbling. So we decided to just forego it that week. So and yeah. here we are. <laughs> so here we are. So it's been, it's been a little bit of a wild ride. And then yesterday um, we taught a Strong First kettlebell user course in Boston. Um, yeah. It was at uh, a place called... Uh, Republic Fitness, which is in the financial district, um, and they sent a bunch of trainers from HealthWorks as well. I guess they're connected. Yeah, I guess they're connected somehow. Um, and that was really, really fun. It was an awesome group. We had like really, really receptive 
uh, coaches in there who are just there to learn and to gain experience. So it was awesome. Yeah, I think uh, we, we had 12 participants and 11 of them were coaches. And I think they were all somehow affiliated with either HealthWorks or Republic. Yeah. And uh, it was just a really good crop of uh, coaches, super receptive, willing to learn, and also were able to just apply the techniques really quickly and readily. And um, we're definitely excited for a lot of these coaches to go to the next step, which is the actual three-day certification. And uh, yeah, we're just excited to have more quality people go through the Strong First experience. Yeah. And we've got another one coming up this Sunday in Nashville. So if you're in Nashville or anywhere near there and you yeah. want to check it out, it's going to be a great time. We already have 15 people signed up for that one. Yeah, definitely check it out. Strongfirst.com. Go to their courses tab and you can find out a little bit more about that. And then uh, maybe we'll see you there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, so Instagram recently put out a an update um, as far as stories goes. And there's a little um, there's basically an option for you to uh, ask for questions and people can ask questions within the actual story settings. So we decided to do that through, uh, throughout our trip, actually, and we got, you know, <laughs> we got a lot Probably of questions. Hundreds of questions, yeah. Um, but we thought it could be cool to try out an episode where we kind of recap some of the questions that were asked um, in in the story, and uh, and we thought it could be cool to have, like, a rapid-fire question uh, and answer show. So we'll, we'll pilot it today and see if um, you guys like it or not, or if you're like, no, I'd rather have the three to four longer form questions and deep dive into those questions. But yeah, we'll, we'll try it out. Try it out and let us know what you think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You want to kick things off? Yeah. So question number one was, who's your favorite gym baby? This is from Laurel, one of our members. <laughs> um, we have, I mean, we've got so many gym babies at this point, right? We've got like 15 maybe? At least. Yeah. At least. Um, and obviously we, we can't pick pick our favorite gym baby of all of them are of our favorites so we so decided to choose diesel we chose diesel yeah <laughs> with this especially cute picture actually so yeah diesel and is our favorite gym baby until probably our, our baby, our baby comes and then we would kind of have to choose our yeah. baby so yeah um following up on that question somebody asked have you picked out any names for your baby and we have we do have a name uh full first and middle name but we are not telling we're not telling we're <laughs> our not lips disclosing are sealed. lauren's mom is really Really, just she really wants to she know. She just really wants to know, <laughs> but she can wait another ten weeks. <laughs> yeah, you got this, Leslie. Um, speaking of which, when is your due date? You look amazing. Oh, uh, October fourth. October fourth. Although I have this weird thing in my head that I'm gonna have the baby on September twenty eighth. Lauren is incredible at visualization. This is stemmed from her visualization days in gymnastics, and she's been able to control the weather. She's been able to control a lot of different events in order to make it into a positive outcome. And uh, it, I mean, if if this actually happens, we actually have the baby on the twenty eighth. I think then it's kind of like solidified I think I that you start are charging for my services. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really all right. The next one is, how do you keep your posts and comment section so positive? So this is in reference to Instagram um, and how do we uh, make sure that we stay positive in both the way that we put our posts out and also in the comment section, which I think is probably where they're even referring to the most because that can be the hardest place to keep things positive. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, we answered, we've coached that way for over 10 years. Social media isn't any different. And that really is the truth. We've always kept things positive. That's always been a core value of ours. It's our core value. It's our first core value at Achieve. Um, it's just very important to us because it's not just that you we always 
need to be like happy, positive people. It's that we're in the, we're in an industry that people are coming to us for improved health and they're probably dealing with a lot of negativity in their life. They're probably stressed out at work. They might have family stress. They might have all this stuff going on. And when they come to us, we have the opportunity to make them feel good. And that's, that's actually a really amazing, unique opportunity that people can come to you and you have the power to make them just feel awesome Mm -hmm. about themselves, about their capabilities, more confident. And we, we take that really seriously. Yeah. And so we think that we have that same obligation as we do in person. Um, that we, we have that same obligation online. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously we want to be as positive and supportive as we can, both in person and online, but it's also just very practical as well. Like, it's very difficult to converse with someone, especially on the internet, uh, without any sort of context and just start, like, being negative and bashing. I mean, that this is where we see all these, like, internet commenters and just internet hate in general. So we did, we're like, you know, if we actually want to um, have someone potentially change their mind or just like have a better experience overall, just commenting on our page, we need to be as just supportive and as positive as you can. And if they don't agree, then that's totally fine. It's totally cool. It's not our job to change their mind. We just need to state our opinion and we can do it in a very, um, you know, just very, just good way yeah like, and we don't like have an to be understanding way yeah. i think when when a lot of times people it's so easy to get defensive when somebody disagrees with you so mm-hmm. if somebody just says and sometimes the comments that are negative are just like wrong period yeah. <laughs> and in that case we're not gonna we're not gonna respond to that yeah. we just ignore that because they didn't give us any context but if they said something like actually like from what i've heard and what i've done for the past five years i think that you should be doing it this way then we instead of debating back mm-hmm. we just have a conversation about it and we say oh that's really interesting where did you learn that from and how come you do that do it that way and have you seen different results and this is what we've seen and this is why we've done it this way um we'd be interested to hear from you and then all of a sudden that opens up this easy dialogue yeah and even if you end up disagreeing nobody ends up feeling hurt nobody ends up feeling like yelled at or yeah. or bashed. i would say 80 percent of the conversations when we lead off that way We'll always circle back to them being like, oh, I love your stuff and I can see why you do it your way. I just have a slightly different point of view. And, you know, that's just what life is all about. So yeah. uh, it ends up working out really well. Yeah. So it's OK to disagree, but you can do it in a way that still takes the other person's feelings into consideration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, this was kind of a two parter. It said, um, how many years are you guys into fitness and how long did it take you to live from this? Um, to what? Oh, to live, live from, from this. this. Okay. Um, and I think the first part was more about just like our, our just years in the industry, which is 11 years. We uh, both got our certifications in 2007, yep. which uh, at first glance doesn't seem like that long ago. But now I feel like we're getting old. We're like, that was 11 years ago. I know. I feel like <laughs> when I hear that year, I'm like, no, it had to be longer than that yeah. because it's only 2010. <laughs> like, like still 90s are 10, 10 years away. Like yeah, in my mind, yeah, I'm like, oh, the nineties. Oh, that was just a decade ago. Now it's like, oh my god, this yeah. is this is scary. We're old. We're old. <laughs> um, and then how how long did it take you to live from this? So we answer this from the standpoint of um, social media. I think um, people kind of get this vibe from anyone that um, is relatively known on social media that they make their complete living on social media. And for us, it's the complete opposite case, Um, at least right now. um, We haven't made any money off of social media. Um, This is why you don't see us spamming your feeds with a lot of like, here's this fit tea or here's this weight belt or here's this like supplement and stuff like that. Like our primary income is from our gym. 
and that's our main source of income and that's what we do full time. Social media is just something that we do on the side to spread our message and the stuff that has worked well for us at Achieve that we're trying to just kind of like just spread outside of our four walls. Um, you know, I'm sure opportunities will come later on and we'll, we'll take them up if we feel like it suits our vision and our mission. But, you know, one of the primary things that why we started all the social media content in the first place is because there are a lot of people out there that kind of gravitated towards social media because I think they realized that it could be a place where they can make a quick buck. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, gain followers and then sell them on stuff. And I think that we got a little bit frustrated with that. And, and I, you know, I, I think I'm empathetic because they probably initially started off helping people, uh, giving a lot of valuable information. And then they realized that they needed to make money if this was going to be their full time thing. And then you get kind of trapped. You're like, oh, I, I need to continue to sell to my followers in order to keep up just living basically right right? and make a living off of that um but then it just perpetuated just more and more marketing stuff that we weren't really aligned with and so we were like okay we are not in a position where we are tied to making money off of social media we actually are in a position where this can be totally vision fulfilling and mission fulfilling let's do this the right way let's do this take a long-term approach to all this and so we don't have to uh just kind of succumb to marketing pressures. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we, I mean, we assume in the future, if things keep going the way they're going on Instagram, like, yeah, probably, uh, companies will reach out to us and ask us if we'll put posts up about their product and things Mm -hmm. like that. And that already has happened a little bit, but we now have the opportunity to only say yes to the things that we actually really do agree with and believe in. Yeah. Like one of the next questions was what kind of shoes do you guys wear? And Mm -hmm. we said strike movement. Like we post about them all the time. We haven't made a cent off of them, but we just like their shoes. So we like to tell people about them. And so those would be the only times that we would say, sure, we'll, we'll accept money from a company who we really truly value and believe in for, you know, to actually share more information about that product because we actually think it works. We actually think it's useful for people. So yeah, we're not saying that we'll never do that, Mm -hmm. but the nice thing is we get to be very, very selective. Yeah. Because we actually have a full-time supporting job that serves as our leverage. We don't have to succumb to any brand basically. Right. So yeah. So we can play a much longer term role with all this. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Shifting gears a little bit. This question was how important is lift is a lifting belt while doing deadlifts? Um, so we basically said, unless you're competing in a powerlifting or Olympic lifting meet, um, well, I guess in this case, if it's deadlifts in a powerlifting meet, um, we don't really think that they're super necessary and we'd rather have people develop more, more core strength and back strength just on their own with their own training Mm -hmm. than rely on a belt. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, especially if you're not competing, there's really no need to wear a belt. And especially, I, I think some people are like, um, I have some back pain issues. Um, will a belt help me out? And it, it might, but that's going to serve as a band-aid because what happens if you go and pick something up off the floor and you don't have a belt on, like you're picking up like your laundry or your kids <laughs> or whatever it might be. Um, you want to make sure that you can be able to apply what you learned in the gym to outside the gym because that's what we're trying to do in the first place, right? Just actually develop health and strength that'll help you in everyday life, not just in a very artificial gym setting. Right. So, I mean, you and I have been deadlifting for at least 10 years now. Yeah. And neither of us have ever worn a belt to deadlift except for 
me when I did compete in powerlifting. Yeah. That was the one time that I decided to wear a belt. And in that, in that case, I started to wear it fairly early in my training just to get used to it. Yeah. Um, because it was actually, it's actually something that doesn't help unless you actually really know how to use it. Also. Right. Um, so I was just kind of learning how to use it, but even right after my meet, I stopped using it and I went back to deadlifting on my own. Cause I did feel like it was this little bit of like extra help that sure it let me lift 10 more pounds maybe yeah. um, to get to hit a PR, but I, I just didn't feel like it was worth it in terms of continuing on to do that. I'd rather just use my own strength um, to to perform the movement. So, yeah, and this yeah. Can, just keeps going back to our constant just always prioritizing health over fitness. And if you're doing certain things to just improve fitness, whereas it might prioritize fitness over health, then you end up just kind of barking up the wrong tree. And over time, that's going to lead to some sort of injury, some sort of plateau if you prioritize these just vague fitness outcomes in favor of your overall health and longevity. Um, Next question, um, how much should I feel deadlifts in my lower back? It's hard to tell if it hurts or a good sore. So I thought this was actually a great question because, you know, we, we, we don't want deadlifts to be overpowering, like, in like an overpowering feeling in your lower back, but your lower back is going to be working pretty significantly. Um, We just don't want like after a day of deadlifts, if you did those deadlifts well, your back, lower back might be sore. And if it's sore, it's going to feel kind of like just an overall deep aching sensation. What we want to stray away from is it feels like a very sharp pain. Um, so if you're moving around, you're trying to lean forward and you get that kind of like zing, that's probably a telltale sign that it was a little bit too much. Whereas if it's just kind of like a deep ache and you feel like you kind of want to just massage it out a little bit, that's probably just saying that you work your back pretty hard, but it's in a safe, it was in a safe position and it was, um, it was just taxed from doing deadlifts. Yeah. I definitely used to tell people like with deadlifts and with swings, like, oh, if you ever feel it at all in your lower back, you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely gone back on that statement a little bit and modified more toward what you're saying is that it's okay if it's a little bit sore, if it feels the same kind of sore as your legs do after squatting, like, you know how it's like a little hard to get up the stairs. Like, like, oh, everything's a little icky. Like that's, it's okay if your back feels like that for a day or two after deadlifting. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, but it also shouldn't be like that every single time. Usually it's only if you've like started a new program or you've gone up in weight a little bit, something like that. Um, But just like you, your legs shouldn't be sore every single time you squat. It's only when you increase volume or increase weight. Um, But yeah, if you have a sharp pain, that's a very, very different story. So I think that's a really important distinction. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, Next question we have, uh, what is good for eating in the morning as a healthy breakfast? Um, So this is, this can be very individual, but it's something that we really would stress trying to do in the morning is having something with high protein um, because a lot of people just don't get enough protein in their everyday life and in their daily diet. So to start off with something in the morning um, really just helps kickstart that process. Um, So anything with eggs in it is, is really good. Eggs are also an easy way to also get veggies in the morning, which is something that a lot of people don't typically get. But if you throw uh, some like stir fried veggies into your eggs and scramble it up. It's a great way of doing that. Um, you could also do yogurt and fruit, um, or a protein smoothie, like have a shake with some protein powder in it. Um, so all those would be good options for getting some more protein in and also very healthy for you in the morning. Yeah. And also I'll add that you can 
think outside the box of breakfast too. Like sometimes I'll just have leftovers for breakfast. Yeah. Like dinner leftovers for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So also try not to limit yourself to just what are quote unquote breakfast foods. Cause then we think of just like cereal and bagels and Oatmeal, a lot of very carby yeah. foods. Um, but allow yourself to think outside the box a little. Yeah. Um, so this next question is actually um, great. Uh, it's like, what's your number one tip for an aspiring coach? Um, and I could only narrow it down to three. Um, number one, I said, believe in yourself. Um, I think that's a really important one. It's probably throughout the first four to five years, you'll probably have a little bit of uncertainty. And this is probably with any career, right? A little bit of imposter syndrome type of stuff. Um, but yeah, number one, believing yourself um, and just like, you know, your intent is to be helping people as much as possible. Like your intent is what I think is primary, what matters the most. Yeah. Um, number two, never stop learning. Um, it can be really easy, especially in that three to four year mark to be like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I'm pretty good now. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing, but it's just always important to surround yourself with people that are like-minded but have different experiences, um, different training backgrounds, just so you can learn from them, pick their brains, and just kind of like network in that way. Um, and also just continue to read, attend workshops. It just opens up your mind to all these sorts of different avenues. And even if you don't take things away from it directly, you know that you can apply things indirectly um, to your own training um, you know, career. And then number three is no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. I forget what, where that quote is from. Is it my Angela? Uh, I mean, it sounds like something she would yeah, say. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's a great quote. No it's one, a great quote. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, you know, especially for me, I got really into the technical side of things and I couldn't wait to tell people how much I knew from a technical standpoint, all the little muscle groups and the scientific names and all that. And now at this point, all people really want to know is that your intent is to actually help them and that you actually really care about their success. And so now at this point, I'm like, okay, we're going to do this thing that you're going to feel over here. And I kind of like point to my side and it make it as pretty much as little technical as possible, unless the person wants it. Um, But now it's just like, it's just, it it, it matters so much less. I realized the technical side of things, um, because as long as they know how much you care, they're going to be all bought in and they'll be consistent if they know that. Yeah. And it kind of loops back to believing in yourself. So I think that part of the, part of the wanting to share everything that you know, and like wanting to use technical terms is feeling a little bit self-conscious or or not really believing fully in yourself. And so you're wanting to prove that you're a good coach. Mm -hmm. Um, But once you realize that that's not what being like being a good coach isn't all about technical knowledge. It's important. You still need to totally have technical important. knowledge, yeah. which is why never stop learning is in there. Um, but once you kind of just increase your confidence and realize that you're in this for the right reason, you have the right intentions, then you can start to take down some of those walls that you're trying to put up with all of your technical jargon and just talk to people like human beings. Yeah, so. definitely. All right. Next one is are, uh, any specific diet you guys are doing, like counting macros, zone, freestyle. Um, so I guess if anything, we would be more, mostly in the freestyle uh, yeah. category. <laughs> I mean, not even if anything, that's definitely what we're in <laughs> is, is a freestyle category. So yeah, we're not doing any specific diets. Um, and we haven't for a very long time. I don't know, Jason, if you ever have done a specific diet, have you? No. I mean, yeah. there'll be periods of time where I m- might try to eat quote unquote cleaner yeah. um, or try to eat 
more, like if I'm trying to gain some more weight, but I've never been on anything formal. I, I just know that it wouldn't set me up for success. Yeah. And I'm the total opposite. I've probably tried every diet out there, <laughs> um, at least until like any diet that was out there before, uh, like 2014. <laughs> so I haven't tried keto and I haven't tried like some of the newer stuff because I, I know that going on a very strict plan just doesn't work for me. It makes me more stressed. It causes anxiety. It makes me worry a lot more. So I, and I, it just finally hit a point where I decided no more diets, no more like specified plans for me. It is going to be all about getting high quality foods, but also being fairly relaxed in terms of if we go out to dinner and there aren't a ton of great options and I decide to get a cheeseburger, like not worrying about it and just doing it, moving on, making sure that the rest of the week I'm continuing to do my normal thing of getting in good quality protein, vegetables, uh, high quality carbs, but not beating myself up for, for little splurges here and there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so definitely freestyle. Like I don't even, I, I used to say like, Oh, well count, like you can have like two to three splurges or like cheats a week. Like I don't even do anything like that. Cause I don't think of anything as cheating. I just think of food as food and it's just whatever fits in your lifestyle at that moment. And then sure, if you have a very specific goal, you might need to get more specific with your food. But since right now, both of us, our goal is to be generally as healthy as possible um, and to maintain our fitness levels and our health levels, It we just don't need to go on anything so specific. Yeah. I mean, just by kind of being sensible and eating in this manner, like on probably, you know, like, uh, I would say in, in terms of like percentage, it was like hundred percent was like totally shredded and super like muscular. <laughs> like I'm probably like 80%, 85% of the way there. And if I really wanted to, I could then spend a lot of time and energy on that remaining 15, 20% or so. And I could really follow a strict plan. Um, but you know, that's just not a priority and that's, that's not where I choose to spend time, energy and like just overall mental resources on. Exactly. And that used to be why I was dieting so much. And then when I finally decided that this, I didn't want this to be a priority in my life. Like I didn't want what I looked like to dictate my entire life because that's what I felt like was happening. Um, and I finally just started to relax about food. I was a much happier B my lifestyle became much more flexible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I wasn't constantly worried about food and C my, my personal like body composition actually got better. (laughs) It got better. Yeah. (laughs) Which is pretty crazy. Again, consistency over intensity, right? right? So, you know, it's much better to be 80 to 85% good for years and years as opposed to going 100% for two weeks and then, you know, spiraling out of control the other times uh, of the year and just like just yo-yoing up and down. So So for me now, this has been, I've kind of been at the same, well, (laughs) before I got (laughs) pregnant, I've been at the same weight for several years, which is literally never a thing in my life. Like to just not have to like even question if I weighed more or less or anything. Like I just didn't even look at the scale. I just felt good and satisfied and happy the whole time. And so, and that was all since I stopped doing any sort of diet. So the question was about what we're personally doing, but that also kind of is how we talk to people about nutrition as well. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we try not to recommend people going on restrictive or, or very strict diets. Um, unless it's for a very specific reason, like they're trying to figure out if they have any food intolerances or, yeah. or um, they're trying to make weight for a meat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There can be very specific circumstances where that's what you do. But for the most part, if anybody is just asking because they want to be healthier and feel better, 
we are much more flexible. Yeah. Um, one last question. Uh, this would this this the question was how would rec how would you recommend training while recovering from injury? Uh, I thought this was a good one. I kind of laid out a four step process. Um, number one is avoid all exercises that hurt. Um, shouldn't have to say it, but I think we're all guilty of it. We're like, yeah. oh, we can press through a little bit. And then the next day we're like, why did I do that? Um, we kind of do it over and over. But number one, try to avoid all movements that hurt. Number two is to perform either mobility and stability based drills that might help the injured area. So, for example, like if someone has back pain, we try to gravitate towards core work. Um, if someone has um, shoulder pain, we might do some upper back, like scapular stability, rotator cuff work. If someone has um, hip issues, we might do some more like glute activation, like things like that. Um, if you don't have any idea what you should be doing, you should definitely consult either a coach or a physical therapist to kind of get you um, aware of some of these drills that might help you out. Uh, number three is to still perform challenging exercises that don't affect the injured area. So if your if your shoulders hurt, you can still probably deadlift and challenge yourself with a deadlift. And also, like you can still bench press heavy if your knees hurt. So there's always ways that you can find a training effect, and it's really important, even from just like not not even just from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint, to be able to know, hey, my body is still really capable of doing a lot of things. I'm just backing off a little bit in this one area. So that can really help out a lot. And then the final piece is to definitely find a PT, a chiropractor, some sort of medical professional that you trust that you can work with that's not just going to tell you to totally rest, but find ways to make sure that you get back and functioning as soon as possible because working out and just living an active lifestyle is important to you. Yeah, I think those are great answers. Cool. Those were a bunch of your burning questions. <laughs> yeah, so uh, let us know. We would really love your feedback. So let us know if you liked that version of maybe what do we answer? Maybe like 10, 12, 15 10, questions? Yeah, somewhere around really there. Sure. Um, if you liked that more rapid fire, a little bit more random um, in terms of the variety of types of questions, but just answering a bunch all at once. Um, or if you would prefer us to go back to more of the three to four questions and expanding on them for longer. So we'd love to hear your feedback. You can DM us on Instagram at Achieve Fitness Boston, and that will let us know what you think. You can also send us questions there as well. Um, check out our page for when we uh, put up that questions story, mm -hmm. and you can ask us questions there that we'll hopefully then answer in the podcast if you all liked this format. <laughs> and I believe that is all we have for you today. So until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.